It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 472 of Locked on Raptors for Monday, March 4th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked on Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd. We've got Locked On NBA Daily with a bunch of different hosts from across the network chipping in there. David Locke has a day. Anthony Irwin and Adam Mares have a day. We've got Ben Golliver and Sam Amick and Trevor Booker all doing weekly spots on that podcast as well on various days. So make sure you're checking all of that action out on Locked On NBA. And if there's a team you're particularly interested in, if you want to hear about the Lakers' dumpster fire check out locked on lakers with the aforementioned anthony irwin um there's just a no shortage of stuff for you to check out if you're interested in the nfl combine which i don't understand it but if you are one of those people go ahead and listen to one of the locked on nfl shows as well uh they have that all covered as well um, with people i think actual locked on hosts at the combine too so Get a good local perspective from people actually seeing what's going on in the flesh as people run 40 yards and uh, people freak out about it. But we're not talking about the NFL today. On today's show, I am back. It's um, not in Red Deer anymore. It's still very cold where I am in Hamilton, but it's better than Red Deer because it was like minus 35 for most of the time I was there. I am out of figure skating and snowboarding mode and back into covering the Raptors every single day. And joining me to help me out today to talk about the Portland and Detroit games over the weekend is the guy who filled in for me a little bit while I was gone. Vivek Jacob, what's going on, man? Not much. Just uh, getting through this Monday. Um, I was watching a bit of the Sloan Conference, the chat between Bill Simmons and Adam Silver. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of fun, kind of interesting. Was Um, Bill Simmons really mad about Kyrie in that conversation as well? He's mad about (laughs) everything. All the time now. That's just life as a Celtics fan. 
It's really beautiful. I love how bad the Celtics are. We can get to that another time if we want to. We, we covered the Celtics last week pretty extensively, although that was mostly you, I think, if I recall, um, because I had a sore throat, and I had to do like seven hours of figure skating on Wednesday, and you stepped in admirably. Uh, so yeah, we're back doing daily shows again now that I'm back home, and uh, we got a lot to cover today, Vivek, so we should probably get to it. Let's start with the Blazers game on Friday. We'll go chronological order. Raptors beat the Blazers on Friday, 119-117. Kawhi Leonard hits a winner with like a second left. It was uh, a pretty riveting game back and forth. The Raptors looked pretty good for the uh, for the majority of this one on offense. The fourth quarter was a little bit less sort of smooth and beautiful than the rest of the game was, but Kawhi Leonard just kind of did his thing. I think he scored something like 12 straight points, 10 straight points in the fourth, and it was uh, a nice, fun win over a nice, fun team in the Blazers. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from the Blazers game, Vivek? My biggest takeaway was probably that um, the Raptors offense, you know, just now seeing Marcus All in the starting lineup, we've seen it for the last couple of games now. Um, the flow with the starting lineup is just a lot better mm. um, because I think I think the one thing that's changed is because guys have sort of got more comfortable and used to cutting and uh, you know setting screens off the ball and just overall more movement with Gasol around. I think they're just automatically now doing it even when Kawhi's in isolation and it's given a better flow mm-hmm. and now even Kawhi you know when he's getting uh double teamed or whatever it is guys are finding space and he's he's finding them in turn so I think that's another thing that's really uh emerged out of the Gasol you know fun style of basketball and uh it's obviously going to help going down this stretch yeah that's a good point I think um this is sort of a thing with this new starting five. Assuming this is what we're going to see against most really good teams, I think we'll still see Ibaka start some games. And I think we should because I think you could risk losing Ibaka a little bit here if he's just going to come off the bench and have these struggle-filled games he's had recently uh, playing away from Kyle Lowry a little bit. Like, you have to keep in mind, this is a human being. And I understand that you probably should start Gasol, but I also understand wanting to start Ibaka too to give him the touches. And he's had a great season and deserves to start some games and not totally be relegated to the bench because of the midseason trade. Um, but I do think something that's given me a lot of confidence with how this team's going to come together, even with, and we'll get to this, like Kawhi sitting games and stuff like that to prepare for the playoffs, and as they kind of get fewer and fewer games here to, to sort of work things out, I just think the IQ that's there with Gasol and Lowry in particular, like those two kind of teaming up together and everything kind of circulating around them with Green and Siakam and Leonard, like... I don't really have any concerns about that lineup figuring things out pretty quickly when they do get some extended run together. They haven't played a ton together. I think it's like 51 minutes now, um, and they have like 148 offensive rating, I'm pretty sure, which is uh, kind of bonkers. And like, I just think like th- that lineup is so talented and so smart that the chemistry might be overstated as like a necessity for them to be good. I just think like they're just going to be good kind of because they're all very good players and it'll come together and Gasol kind of opens opens everything up. Um, right. Yeah. So that that's where I'm at with that. My biggest takeaway from this game wasn't so much on offense, although it was really nice to see. Um, but uh, I don't know. I was kind of encouraged by what we saw with Gasol on defense and in particular his ability to kind of hedge high on Lillard when you know to sort of help wall off his drives. And, like, I'm not sure how much that's going to matter in a playoff series against any of the East good teams because they all have bigs who aren't Myers-Leonard, and, like, Leonard makes it okay for you to, you know, just kind of leave him alone and double up on on, on Lillard and try to, you know, just cut him off. But uh, that is really encouraging that Gasol was able to do that. And, like, Lillard didn't have an amazing game. He had a great finish to the game, but 
I thought you know McCollum kind of carried the lion's share of the offense for the Blazers, and then you threw Kawhi on him late, and that kind of shut him down. But I thought Gasol showed a lot more than I thought maybe he'd be capable of against maybe outside of Steph, like the best pull-up three-point shooting point guard, like this whole revolution of shooting point guards and how it's changed the geometry of the floor. Like Lillard's right at the forefront of that. And I thought Gasol, in a way that like Valanciunas, if you think back to how JV would deal with guys like that, where he'd kind of get caught up in that middle ground where he wasn't sure whether to come up and play high or to drop back. And then he'd kind of get stuck in the mid-range there and like they would just bomb threes or long twos over him. I, uh, I thought Gasol was really, really impressive defensively against Lillard and sort of showed a little bit more sort of agility than I thought we would see. And maybe that comes in, in handy against a team like Boston, for example. Although, again, yeah. Horford as a role man and also a guy who can pop maybe makes that decision-making process a little more difficult for Gasol. But I don't know. What did you think of the way Gasol looked defensively against a team that very much challenges the mobility of your bigs? Yeah, no, I agree with that. That's a really good point you made. Um and again, it just comes down to the intelligence, right? I think he recognized um, with the way Lowry's game is now, with the way um, our dribble penetration can kind of struggle at times, um, while holding off the dribble penetration, I think he did a really good job of mixing that up as well, not just uh, saying, hey, we're just trying to take away the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, like, he's really big. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he knows, uh, he understands the distance uh, that he needs, uh, you know, that won't be, uh, that won't cost him in terms of giving up uh, too much for a drive. So I think he keeps the right spacing between, you know, not giving up the shot, but also, you know, giving him enough room to sort of contest a drive as well. So uh, I think it buys the guards, the forwards, uh, just a little bit uh, of that extra time when they need it. Um, and then, you know, the, just to go back to that Boston game, even even there where, where you sort of had uh, the big sort of drop and encourage the mid-range jumper, I, I think he fits so many different styles of how you can sort of look to attack. Uh, and I think that's why he becomes such an ideal matchup uh, at center, whether you're going up against um, like you did uh, in Portland, uh, against Portland, or like you might have um, with Milwaukee, with Brook Lopez, whether it's you know, Philadelphia with Joel Embiid, whether it's Boston with Al Horford, I mean, you can just trust him uh, to execute whatever plan you have in mind. Yeah, for sure. I also think you saw in this game as well, like, the reason why Gasol is so good for this team, and I think a big reason why and it's just going to benefit them in the playoffs, is like, you saw in that Blazers matchup sort of in inverse, like with how Lillard and how the Raptors played defense again against him and just how, Le- like, Myers-Leonard and his inability to sort of do anything and be, like, a good NBA player, period. Um, but, like, he's obviously like, a, like an extreme version of this, but you saw yeah. how the Raptors play defense against Lillard and how I think with Gasol on the floor, that's going to safeguard Lowry, I think, against seeing similar defense in the playoffs. And we've seen that yeah. in, in the past, right, where it's either Ibaka, who is a good pop, you know, popper, but not so much of a roller uh, and not so much of a good decision maker on the roll, or Valanciunas who could roll but wasn't really going to pop. Like, Gasol could do both of those things, and that's going to make it that much more difficult for teams to sell it to try to stop Lowry in those sort of high traps, which have kind of been the doom of the Raptors in the playoffs in many years past. And, like, obviously having Kawhi as, like, an outlet will also hurt that ability to do that. Um, But, like, I think Gasol, just having the sort of... Eric Kareen wrote about this in The Athletic, just sort of the options that he gives... And just sort of the, the varied skills that he provides and sort of an amalgamation of both what JV and 
Serge Ibaka did well. Like, I think that just yeah. is going to sort of open things up so much more in the playoffs, and it's just going to be a lot more breathing room, I think, out there compared to what Lowry's seen in the past. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you look back to, uh, say, you know, a week or two before the trade deadline, the concerns with Lowry um, was more in terms of you looked at the team uh, holistically and you said, you know, can Lowry really be the second best scorer on the team mm-hmm. uh, for this team to reach its ceiling? Um, and now with Gasol in the mix, because of his ability to accentuate all the other guys around him, because of um, the improvement in Pascal's consistency in scoring, um, now it, everything Lowry does in terms of his own offense is, is a bonus. Mm-hmm. Like he can be the fourth best scorer, the fifth best scorer, and your ceiling is still a championship team. Um, and I think that's just ma- making it easier for him. I think he understands now that he can sort of be who he was um, because we've seen the two different Lowry's, right? We've seen the Lowry like we saw against Detroit um, when Kawhi is in there, and then we've seen the Lowry when Kawhi is there um, just trying to be a bit more passive and get everyone else involved. So now I think he can be that that other Lowry completely, and it doesn't alter the Raptors' ceiling. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. It, it, the Raptors are weird in that like they can have three different guys be that quote unquote number two scorer, right? Like, yeah. it can kind of be different every night. It can be Lowry, it can be Gasol, it can be Siakam, who we kind of forget about is also amazing and is shooting like a million percent from the corners. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's a very good team, and I think Gasol has kind of done a good job of sort of accentuating, like you said, everything that everyone else does well. And, uh, and covering up some holes that maybe were there before. It's been uh, very nice. And that Blazers game, like, yeah, they gave it up uh, at the start of the fourth quarter, but maybe that's to be expected when the bench is just kind of going through it right now. It is kind of a yeah. bummer that the bench keeps giving up big leads at the start of every fourth quarter, and it's kind of like clockwork, and it makes every game close down the, down the stretch. But I also yeah. kind of trust the ability of the Raptors' big guns to pull games out like that down the stretch. Obviously, they didn't have Kawhi against Detroit, which we'll get to in a second. But, um, like, I, I just – they've been really good. I think they're like 11-4 and four in games decided by three points or less uh, this season. I, I In a way, I have not before. I trust them late in these games to pull it out, even when the bench kind of gives it up. Um I guess we could touch on the bench. I just, I'm not interested in the bench minutes right now. There's just nothing really <laughs> doing it for me. Um, I'm just like kind of, when I'm watching on PVR, uh, as I have for that Blazers game and a little bit of last night because I was cooking dinner during the middle of the Pistons game, but like as I'm watching, I'm like, I, I kind of want to just fast forward th- through these bench minutes. I know it's not going to go well. I know they're going to go like many minutes without scoring buckets. And I think yeah. I'm just kind of ready to get to where the good players are in and seeing the sort of magic that they make. Um, like, what do you even do about the bench right now? I, I like we've talked a little bit about staggering and doing the Sixers thing, where there's, there's just two good players on the court at all times. And I think Nurse is sort of inching closer to that. But I don't know. Is there anything that can be done as you know Fred VanVleet's out and the depth has kind of been depleted with the deals? Like, is there anything, or are you just kind of like, you know, it, this is what benches do? That they they are not as good as the starters, especially when the starters, assuming Gasol is going to be there more often than not, are just like yeah. going to blow teams out of the water pretty much every time they're on the court. Well, I think if you look at the best stretch we've seen of late uh, from the bench, it was when Lowry and Gasol were playing with, you know, Norman Powell and OG and uh, Patrick McCall. And I thought, you know, it it allowed them to do what they do defensively and then get out on the break and create easy transition opportunities. Um, And you trust in the half court that Lowry and Gasol uh, are smart enough to create um, out of there and create space for the other guys 
um, everyone just sort of operates around them. So, um, you know, when you, when you get to the playoffs and those guys are playing bigger minutes, that's maybe something you can look at more and have those two guys out there. But, I mean, I, I, think, I think we can't understate uh, Fred's importance as well. So, um, when he comes back, that's a guard position where you're going to have strong shooting. You know, as energetic and as enthusiastic as Patrick McCaw has been, hmm. um, I think that, that that's just an important asset to the team off the bench. You know, you see the difference. When Norman Powell is making his outside shot, all of a sudden there, there, there's a bit more spacing, there's a bit more dribble ben- penetration to be had because uh, you're watching out for that a bit more. But I think if you can get Fred back and him making his shot, I, I, I think that helps the bench out too. I think the outside shot is really important for that bench unit. Mm. Um, and then, you know, if you if you can't have that, then you definitely need, uh, I, I think that Lowry, Gasol unit prove that you need at least two playmakers out there. Yeah, it's, it's weird because Gasol's like so good and like makes everyone around him so much better that it's almost like the solution to the bench is to have him come off the bench, but then you're hurting the starters because he should be with the starters. He should just play 48 minutes is what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> just just <laughs> run out Marc Gasol and just beat him into the ground. Um, but yeah, it, it's... No, I, I just wonder if there's a stagger there where maybe you take out Gasol a little early yeah, uh, and bring him back. And maybe um, that helps get that Ibaka going too, right? Yeah, exactly, right? Because then he can maybe get some time in with Lowry early on, you know, in his early minutes, and then maybe build a rhythm off that. Yeah, I uh, Nurse definitely needs to kind of hammer this down and kind of get it to a science, I think, at some point. I mean, I have appreciated his ability to sort of, you know, massage the rotation throughout all these injuries, but, I don't know, finding a set thing before the playoffs, which is so funny because, like, Last year, it was like, all right, Dwayne Casey, we get it. You have a rotation you like. Try some new shit. And now, I think all everyone wants is just, like, a set rotation where everyone can kind of get into a rhythm of things um, because no one's ever happy with the head coach. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that seems like a pretty good place to dovetail into the Detroit Pistons conversation. But first, let's take a quick break, uh, and I'll remind you to check out the Locked On Podcast Network on your smart speakers, whether it's a Google Home, uh, the the girl-named one that is right next to me, so I don't want to say the name because it'll turn on and start talking to me, um, or uh, whatever other smart speaker you have or if you're in your car and you want to say hey car play podcast locked on raptors it'll do that for you use your smart speakers or your voice automation in your car to play the locked on podcast network it's great you don't have to touch a button and it just plays for you and you have access to every single locked on podcast right there at the speak of a word or a few words a speak of a word god i'm just gonna go to the break now Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, 
done. All right, we are back, and we're going to talk about the Raptors' loss to the Pistons in overtime, 112-107 on Sunday. Uh, this was, I'm writing my what didn't suck about this game right now, and I'm having a hard time finding a lot of stuff that really did suck. Like, it was mostly a fine game. Like, the first quarter was a little bit Orlando-y, and the offense wasn't clicking very much at all, and there were some not-so-great performances from the likes of, I mean, Marcus Gasol and Jeremy Lin combined to go 2 of 18 from the field. That's not ideal. Um, and Jeremy Lin eventually is going to make a 3 at some point, maybe. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's just the karmic <laughs> price of having him fall in the Raptors' laps is that he'll never, ever make a 3. Um, but they're, he's going through it right now. Uh, biggest takeaway from this Detroit game, Beck? Biggest takeaway, um, I think you just, just again, the inconsistency of the rotation. So now, again, Kawhi steps out, and it seems like it just throws every, everyone into a bit of a loop. Um, Jeremy Lin was making his first start, so it throws the bench into a bit of a loop. Um, the starting rotation, you know, Again, they looked discombobulated. Gasol wasn't making his shot. Jeremy Lin wasn't making his shot. So um, I think that was my biggest takeaway. Again, the more you have this chopping and changing, the more it it gets you away from really finding a consistent rhythm. Mm -hmm. Um, And Nurse is still fine with that. I think think there's almost like that little bit of Tyron Lue to him where, you know, with the Cavs, he threw out a bunch of different lineups throughout the regular season. Um, and sort of drew strength from that randomness because he felt like everyone was ready to play and he could go to anyone in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I don't know if there's that aspect of it to what Nurse is thinking, um, but I think this, it, this is just something that they're going to have to deal with as long as they manage this Kawhi Leonard load. So, mm-hmm. um, again, Jeremy Lin's first start, you know, ideally if Fred's, if Fred's healthy, he probably gets the start. Because that's usually where Nurse has, uh, has gone, so that's probably that probably was the thinking in terms of giving Lynn the start um, and having that extra guard out there. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good point. I um, I didn't love the starting lineup decision myself. I thought it was <laughs> uh, like I feel like you could have put Norman there and yeah. kept Lynn for the bench, as you know you kind of alluded to there, like. I think the Lin Abaka pairing is so important. I kind of want them to play as much together as possible right now because I think like right. if you're gonna have the bench kind of survive, um, and you're okay. not gonna go with that stagger that we talked about, like I think having those two kind of have a bit of a connection, and they've had a bit of you know some sort of chemistry so far. It hasn't really translated over like a big sample or anything like that. But there have been a few instances of like some pretty nice pick and pop chemistry, and I think Lin is a better sort of quick snap decision decision maker than say Fred Van Vliet is in the pick and pop or pick and roll. Um, so I yeah. think there's some potential there, especially if you have Fred healthy and he's kind of you know ro- roving around off the ball. That can be a yeah. pretty good one, two, three to build a bench with. Like most teams would kill to have that as their top three guys on a bench. So. I, uh, yeah. Well, I Kenny Smith said our bench would be the eighth seed in the, in the East. So. <laughs> I mean, it's not insane. Um, I think maybe this year that's a little bit crazy, but last year, definitely. Shouts to CJ Miles and Yak. Uh, God, I missed that bench when we didn't have to talk about this, and we were just like, holy shit, this bench is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think even then, I, feel, I still think the talk about the bench might end up being kind of useless come playoff time because uh, benches don't matter, and we learned that the hard way last year. <laughs> but um, yeah. that might be overstating it, but I, they don't think they matter as much as we think they will. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway from this game was uh, – 
holy shit, OG Ananobi is just like prime Ron Artest now? (laughs) That was like one of the best defensive games I've seen from any Raptors wing ever. Like he was insane all over the place. He, uh, looking at the matchup data here, and remember Blake Griffin absolutely punked the Raptors, and in particular Pascal Siakam when they first played back in November in that game that the Pistons won in the buzzer beater. Um, Like Griffin, I mean... He didn't get, he didn't punk Siakam this time around. I mean, Siakam guarded him 37 possessions, uh, and he went three of ten in those possessions, uh, just nine points overall for Griffin. Uh, the team scored just 34 points on 37 possessions in those uh, in that sample. Um, but like, I thought OG anecdotally looked a little bit better on Griffin and looked very much suited to that matchup. Like he's strong, but he's also limber. Um, he, he held the Pistons to 23 points on 24 possessions when he was guarding Griffin. Griffin had just four points. He had no assists. He had two turnovers. I thought like OG was just like a monster in this game defensively. And even when I can't remember, was it Wayne Ellington hit the three late in the game that put them up in overtime, um, after that sort of swing where the Raptors were up and then they were down by three all of a sudden, um, like OG was right in Ellington or Langston Galloway or insert bad wing here, uh, his face. And like, it, it, it was just like a, a, an example of very good shot making, but I thought OG was all over the place. His transition defense was amazing. Um, what did you think of the way OG looked in this game? I guess from both sides of the ball, cause he had a pretty nice offensive performance in the first half too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the only negative from OG's game was that late shot he took that he airballed on the three. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I thought he was great. Um, yeah, and, and I think you highlighted a good point when you talk about, you know, going from whether, whether it was Langston Galloway all the way to Blake Griffin. Um, that's the value that he brings defensively, right? Being able to use his strength, you know, his length, his wingspan, you know, it allows him to defend all those multiple positions. And, you know, especially against Blake Griffin, I thought he really did a good job frustrating him. Um, there were a couple of times where Griffin tried to go at him in the post, and um, I thought OG more than the hell of his own um, and was able to contest. Uh, Blake had a really good first half, and then you saw that sort of trail off in the second. So I think mm. you can give big credit to OG there. Um, and then, yeah, again, with the, on the perimeter, um, there were maybe a couple of times where, uh, and this is more of like a Raptors... Uh, just the way they scheme in general, where I thought, you know, he rushed out a little bit on the shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just trying to get them off the line. And that's something I think the Raptors have to kind of think about. I think teams are almost expecting the Raptors to come so hard on the contest, um, where the theory might be that, oh, you know, you, you give that hard contest on the three and they'll step inside and take the mid-range too. But I think because they're so hard with it, I think guys are just stepping to the side and taking the three anyway. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so I think that that might be something that they need to look at and uh, reconsider. Uh, but no, overall, I thought this was about as good as a game as you could hope for from OG. Um, and again, we we want to see the consistency, right? We want to ca- see this carry over into the next game and the next game and the next game because uh, then you have something for uh, Nick Nurse to think about. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know if he's kind of moved his way into like being a crunch time guy in most games. He was last night and he earned it and like he paid it off by like I think he blocked Ellington in the corner on a three as well, yeah. right after an inbound. Yeah. Like he was just everywhere. Um, the big tip in as well off the, off the uh, missed threes. Yep, yep. Like he was uh, he was everywhere and like again, I'm not sure if he's like played himself into being a guy you're going to use all the time in crunch time, but I think. 
there are certain lineups where it's going to make a lot of sense. Like, if you want to stay switchy, if you want to go big, like, I could see, like, we haven't seen it much, and that's been one of my biggest beefs with Nick Nurse this season, is we haven't really gotten much of a look at the Pascal at center with OG, Kawhi, and Danny Green lineup, um, which they used for, like, uh, like a half a quarter against the Pelicans and they lost and they maybe use it against Boston for a little bit and then they haven't really busted it out very much at all but like yeah. I think OG's defense in that you know configuration along with like his shooting's been up and down his free throw shooting is obviously a problem too this year but um like he's a good enough shooter that I think you could throw him out with all those guys especially since Siakam is hitting everything now too that I think yeah. we, I would like to see that lineup even a bit more or we we could see the big lineup where we have you know where we see Kawhi at the two and you throw out OG at the three, Pascal at the four, and then whoever you want, Ibaka or Gasol at the five. Like, there's a lot of right. flexibility and sort of weirdness that OG unlocks. And the way he's played lately, his rebounding's been better too. I, uh, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from OG lately. And hopefully, the sort of early season malaise he was in for uh, personal reasons or whatever it was going on with him. Like hopefully that's behind him because like he's very important, man. Like he's he unlocks a lot of things if he's kind of playing the way he did last night. Like his defense is absurd. It's he you know I think he sometimes gets hung up on screens a little bit just because he's so big and easy to screen. I think and easy to sort of get a piece of. But other than that, like I, I just really really thought he was great last night. Even then last night, like he got hung up on a screen and then kept fighting through it and then ended up picking up an offensive foul against him because um, yeah. he just like kept fighting through a drum and screen. And, you know, I'm not sure if it was the right call. I mean, I'm not sure most of the calls in last night's game were the right call, to be honest, because the refs are bad, but uh, on both sides, really. Um, but, like, I, I like that fight, too. So, I, uh, yeah, OG's great. And, I mean, he, he, could, he almost uh, got the screen assist yeah. on the game winner, right? Like, that, that, was, that was a big-time screen to get Gasol that wide-open look at the end. Of regulation we should probably talk about that play uh, <laughs> that was pretty as hell man and yeah uh, it was like the first i guess there was the danny green winner against the magic that was really well designed um pretty much anything that's not been drawn up for Kawhi has been pretty nice this season i suppose um because like you don't although, need to get although, that although creative with say, Kawhi. the game winner uh that Kawhi hit against portland i was glad to see kyle lowry come out and set the screen and yeah now, you know i think the one thing that I've always stood by is that, you know, when you isolate to create a mismatch, that's a positive. When you isolate to sort of just play a bit of hero ball, yeah, and don't factor in the matchup, that's when it becomes bad, right? So when you create the mismatch and now Leonard shooting over Damian Lillard from his sweet spot, I mean, you take that shot every time. Yeah, that was the thing we saw in that Boston game where they lost at the end, um, where they didn't run like a, a Kyle screen to get uh, I think Kyrie on him or whatever it was might have been Marcus Smart but they just let Marcus Morris guard Kawhi which is a big dude to guard him and he's been pretty good yeah. this season defensively so like that wasn't ideal but yeah I like the point you made like if you're doing what you saw it, at the end of the game against Portland where you get Damian Lillard on him like that's great that's that's like good iso ball that I'm happy to have uh, be part of the Raptors late game repertoire but um, drawing that little play to sort of have Gasol leak out with a little I guess sort of pin down screen. I guess you'd call it that. Um, like just sort of having him leak into the corner there. I'm like maybe it was a matter. I think Danny Green was out there. Maybe you could have drawn it up for Danny because he's a better corner shooter. But maybe that changes the way that the defense would have you know addressed him and it would have been more difficult to spring him open. Um, I like that a lot. It was cool. It was a nifty looking play. Um, and uh, it was maybe the one play in the game that made 
Dwayne Casey's post-game comments about all the stuff being the same <laughs> ring, ring a little less true. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Count me all the way in for the Dwayne Casey salt tour, man. It's great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> man. It's kind of weird because he's been such a gentleman and so professional about everything during his time in Toronto, and now he feels hard done by by decision. And yeah, he's kind of going off uh, every chance he gets. I mean, you go from getting to coach a very good team with a deep roster that traded for Kawhi Leonard in the offseason, then having to go coach Luke Kennard and Wayne Ellington and Bruce Brown, like. Although right. I, I angered a lot of Pistons fans last night by calling Luke Kennard not Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> they, 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 they really, really believe in Luke Kennard, I guess because they have to, because what else is there to believe in if you're a Pistons fan? And hey, they're, being, they're very good. And this is kind of my point, and I'm writing about this right now for what didn't suck. Like, I'm happy Dwayne Casey's prospering. I'm cool with the Salt Tour. Like, he wasn't exactly done dirty by the Raptors, but it wasn't like it was a clean separation either. And it's not like he really deserved it, aside from like not being able to beat LeBron. And so if he's going to be sort of the salty one in the breakup, I don't mind it at all. And I just I kind of like the like the animosity between him and Nurse. It, it, it makes for good sports hate and good like it, it's just good. It, it's I hope they play in the playoffs. It'd be really fun because um, I think the Raptors would yep. win that series in five at most. But it would be kind of fun to have that little juice in there. Um, and so, yeah, like, count me all in for Dwayne Casey going on the tour of uh, just shady quotes towards Nick Nurse. Even before the game, when Nurse went over to, like, shake Casey's hand, Casey, like, barely had time for it either. It was great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, like, this nice southern gentleman just becoming a real dick. It's great. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Uh, any loose observations on this Detroit game before we wrap things up? Um, no, no, no loose observations on this one. I, if we can quickly go back to that Portland game, I did yeah. think uh, there was a bit of uh, back and forth between Danny Green and CJ McCollum. You know, the two podcast, uh, <laughs> uh and you know, the, the, McCollum almost tried to dunk on him, and Danny Green was having none of it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I thought that was a little fun. You know, obviously it was all good natured, but I, I definitely thought they were um, talking a little bit and having some fun with it. They'll probably turn that into content. Yeah, because probably. why not? <laughs> <laughs> Danny Green featuring CJ CJ McCollum. Although I guess Green kind of has the edge in the podcast wars because he didn't get punked by Kevin Durant on his own podcast and get called the sixth man on his own podcast. Sure. So he's in sure. the lead, I think, for like podcast clout right now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, 
Ra- okay, random question for you. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, uh, but Mario Balotelli scored a goal this week mm-hmm. and then went over, grabbed an iPhone, and then recorded the celebration as an Instagram story right then and there. Um, when do you think we're... Well, forget when. Who do you think is going to be the first person to hit a game winner and then put it on their Instagram story? Embiid, maybe? <laughs> he feels like a good candidate. That's an extremely yeah. good celebration. Like, I feel like that would have been like the... You know how there's like the modern Seinfeld Twitter account where they like take new age situations and make them into Seinfeld episode concepts? Right, right, Like, right. I feel like that's like modern Terrell Owens. <laughs> like oh i'm looking at the video now that's amazing the team's so psyched that's that's great uh yeah Embiid probably he's like the yeah. most online nba player right yeah that's fair or like lebron maybe if he's got nothing else to like, <laughs> like he's got nothing else to do to make him happy so might as well like get some content out of it i suppose god the yeah. lakers the lakers are great they're so fun they're missing the playoffs it's outstanding yeah, uh, uh, that, that would be something if the year the Raptors made the finals, LeBron didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, that'll show him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, oh, I guess we should talk about the little bit of news. Jody Meeks's 10 ten day contract. He's not going to get in the second one. Um, I'll have to revisit where he finishes in the all time Raptor rankings. He had a couple nice halves where he hit some threes. That was cool. Right. Um, I mean, there, there is a small chance that he comes back. Yeah. Uh, because the Raptors, I think, if my math is right, they're looking at another uh, 11 days now in which they have to sign someone and yes. fill that roster spot. Yes. So, um, so it could be, just be them just looking to save some tax dollars and mm. wait, wait till the last moment. So it might be something that's a little incomplete for now, but yeah. Thank you for your time, Jody Meeks, for now. Yeah, you were uh, certainly a Raptor for a time. Um, like kind of on the Nigel Hayes level of Raptor, although Nigel Hayes is the all-time leader in three-point percentage in franchise history, so I, I can't really put Meeks on that level. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, although he's ahead of the Garth Josephs of the world, guys who played like a game. But no, so Me- Meeks, um, yeah. With that last roster spot, do you have? I guess there. Josh Lewenberg said there was maybe a bit of noise about marching Gortat. Like, do you have a preference for what they do with that last roster spot before the the deadline to fill that spot in two weeks? No, not really. I mean, the rotation's pretty much set. You're just waiting for Fred to come back. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't mean rotation, rotation. I just mean the guys that will figure into the playoff rotation. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this is, you know, again, even with Jody Meeks on the roster, you didn't really expect him to see playoff minutes unless the Raptors went completely frigid from three uh, and were just desperate for <laughs> offense. So. I just got to chill uh, thinking about Jody Meeks playing in the playoffs. Ooh. That's very Wizards-y. <laughs> <laughs> um. uh, so, yeah, I mean, sure, Gortat, I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a preference. Um, what do you think of Gortat? Uh, I think he's fine. I think he wouldn't play. There's, there yeah. would be no reason to play him, I don't think. Uh, yep. Except for like injury or foul trouble, I uh, yeah. I mean, Pau Gasol would have been fine, I guess. He also wouldn't have played, I don't think. He would have just gotten to go watch operas and uh, hung, ha- hang out at Mark's place. But yeah, I, I just I 
I can't really be moved by who's going to be in that spot because I just don't think they're going to play at all. So, like, I'm here for, like, a spirit pick. Like, give me Kendrick Perkins. I don't care. Give me someone who's going to fight some people. Just give it to Jamal <laughs> McGlore, maybe. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Or, like, Dante <laughs> Jones doesn't have a team this this because, uh, this, like, LeBron's team's not going to make the playoffs. There's no reason for Dante Jones to get signed by the Lakers. So, sign Dante Jones. Get him to come in punch some dicks. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, give me an enforcer. I, I like. I don't need anyone with like an actual NBA skill, unless it's Michael Beasley coming back from China. Then I'm cool with that. But just True. yeah, I'm I'm fully on board with uh, with an enforcer who can knock some heads and uh, provide some good content. So yeah, Perk, uh, Dante Jones. That's about it. Not Bogut. I guess he's going to the Warriors, which is hilarious because he's bad and also problematic. But um, yeah, I, I'm glad the Raptors didn't get into that conversation if they're after a big I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's gonna do it for today's show we've covered a lot yes. of ground here uh, Vivek do you have anything you'd like to plug uh, no you can find my work where you usually do Raptor Republic Sportsnet Athletic any Yahoo and post game shows on. coming up Um. so we were supposed to do one for the Houston game but I just very recently and by recently I mean like five minutes ago received an email saying that it's going to have to be postponed so um it is tbd on when the next yahoo episode will be all right well keep an eye out for those they're very good and rebecca's on them and uh that's a big reason why they're good you can also uh there'll be a podcast for me tomorrow i'll be at the rockets game so i'll come up with something uh from the game afterwards and uh that will be tuesday's podcast and we'll catch up with you on wednesday after that and Excuse me, I'm losing uh, my ability to hold in these hiccups, um, so I'm going to wrap it there. Uh, find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places to get your podcast. It's deeply, deeply appreciated when you do that. We've had some very good numbers lately. I'd like to continue that. Uh, if you're a new listener, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. And uh, it will not be as sporadic as it was the last couple weeks because I'm no longer in Alberta calling niche sports. I am back here in Ontario to uh, talk about the Raptors every day. So please stick with us as Great we move. That, by the way. Thanks, man. I tuned in a couple times. Oh, yeah? Which ones did you watch? Even though uh, the skiing Okay. and a sport that I don't think I'm familiar with at all. Figure, uh, figure skating? Biathlon? No, no. Um, did you? Maybe it was biathlon. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were both skiing. But you were very good. I did many different versions of skiing, but thank you, man. I appreciate okay. that. It was uh, you can go watch all those in Canada Games YouTube page if you want to go watch all the stuff I called. I tweeted out links or whatever. So if you want to go back and watch some figure skating for seven hours from last Wednesday, please be my guest. It was a lot of fun. Um, so uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next time on Locked On Raptors. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. 
when everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.